You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you guys for allowing me to be here. I really, it blows me away. I mean, what the Lord has done throughout the years. And I'm thankful, first of all, for Calvary Chapel. I mean, I was born and bred Calvary Chapel, went to Bible college for two years. And my favorite thing is just the emphasis on God's word and the Holy Spirit. And that's what I love, and that's what I've taken away with being a part of Calvary Chapel. I mean, this has been in my blood, and I'm so thankful that it's been the life source for me to do what God's called me to do. Because if I didn't have that foundation in God's Word, I wouldn't be able to do effectively what He's called me to do. And uh, so I just kind of want to open up. If you have have your Bibles open up, I'm sure you do, to Acts 20, 24. (laughs) Let's pray real quick. God, I thank you so much for just what you're doing, what you've done. God, we're so thankful um, that we can come together and lift up your name. And we know that at your name, demons will flee. And so, tonight and this, this afternoon when we're singing, I know that there's none in here. They're fleeing. And we're thankful for that. So God, we lift up your name. We glorify you. I pray your spirit would fall in a mighty way. God, we need you desperately, desperately in this nation, this generation, in our hearts, that we would just truly be willing vessels to do whatever you want us to do. God, we need you. We need you desperately. And we thank you that you're here in our midst and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. But there's something about, I'm telling you, when I was just praying, I was going, demons are fleeing. To hear you guys singing in the name of Jesus Christ, demons are fleeing. And it was powerful to hear these men just singing out the name of Jesus. It's unbelievable. Oh, thank you, Lord. Love you, Jesus. So Acts 20, 24, I, I love the scripture. Paul is speaking to the elders of Ephesus, and he's sharing the things that had gone on in his life. He said, you know, through many trials, through many tribulations, through many tears, knowing that he was actually going to face more imprisonment, more afflictions, he said this statement in Acts 20, 24. He says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I may finish this race with joy and the ministry set before me to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. And I look at that. And I'm going, man, here, here's a man that, that once was a persecutor of the church. I, I love Paul because he kind of reminds me, you guys know Home Alone, Joe Pesci and Home Alone. He kind of reminds me of Joe Pesci. I mean, that guy was resilient. He kept getting smacked around. He would get back up because he had one goal to get that boy, and he kept going. And, you know, Paul in the opposite end, he just said, no matter what happens, those things aren't going to deter me from what God has called me to do. He's called me to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to do that no matter what happens. I'm going to do that. And I remember my life, you know, when I went through some very difficult times, um, when I was 23 years old, um, I watched my wife go be with the Lord. And we battled through cancer. And I remember uh, so many things that, that I had to really, really go before the Lord with. Because I knew a lot of scriptures growing up. Because there's one thing about knowing these scriptures. There's another thing about letting it sink deep in your heart. And there's all these scriptures that I think because of familiarity, we kind of blow by. And the scripture that was so huge with me was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. To trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. I'm telling you, I, I don't know. I didn't understand. It hurt really bad. 
But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And I remember I had to get to a point in my life where I was going to say, am I going to either turn my back on God and run to the actual, the source of the problem, which is the world and sin, all the things that have corrupted us and why we see those things happen, or truly run to the only source of life that God has given us and source of hope. And I said, God, you're my, you're my everything. There's nowhere else I want to go. And I remember through many battles and through wrestles and struggles, I remember just saying, God, all right, here I am. Acts 20, 24 is my life verse. But let none of these things move me. None of these things. I'm going to go out. I'm going to minister the gospel. And I'm telling you, what the Lord did through that was incredible. He does exceedingly abundantly above we can, all we can ask or even imagine. I remember just saying, Lord, what, what is going on? God started opening these doors. Because I remember I'm saying, all right, Lord, it's on. Here I am. I'm going to go. No matter what happens in my life, I'm going to serve you. And the doors just opened and opened. And so I saw myself as a minister of the gospel who just so happened to play music. And God kept giving me songs and songs. And I would go up and I'd share these songs. And, and I'd see God move in these ways that it blew my mind. I'm saying, Lord, why me? This is, this is why me? And he just said, I've called you. It's not about you. I've called you. And so I remember just getting to the point in my life where just going and going and going. And then pretty soon I found myself about seven years in going, why am I not happy? Why do I have no joy? I remember I just felt despondent. I was like, man, things are going fine, but I don't have this joy in my heart that I once had. And the Lord just spoke to me one night. I was at an award ceremony, and I remember the person was leading worship and doing a Keith Green tribute. There's a part in the song where it says, let my reward be given glory to your name. Let my reward be given glory to your name. And I remember I literally, I just started weeping and I ran to the bathroom and here I am at this ceremony. I'm in the bathroom, curled up in a fetal position, weeping on the floor and people are walking in like, what is this guy? It's weird. And I literally just like, I didn't care. I did not care because I knew, I knew how I started. I knew what God had called me to do. And the fact that I even have this desire for something else besides his kingdom, it, it broke my heart as I knew it broke his, but he showed me so much tenderness and so much love. And so I remember I went up and I, I didn't know what was going on. I'm sitting there and I had puffy eyes. And all of a sudden I hear, and the winner of songwriter of the year, Jeremy Camp. And I was like, so I, I walk up and I just have puffy eyes and I'm holding this award going, this is not, this is not what I, I want. And I just share with everybody. I said, listen, I talked about God's kingdom. Because what God has shown me is that we can start off right, and we see this foundation being built. We all know the guy who builds a foundation on the rock or the sand. So you start building this foundation. And I remember just seeing God move, and then pretty soon I started kind of saying, well, I think I can do this, God. So then all of a sudden, here I am building this little sandcastle and trying to put something on it. And I remember it's kind of like one of those embarrassing things where someone wants to go, you're kind of showing off your sandcastle. And you're like, look at this whole amazing house I'm building, this kingdom I'm building. And they're like, this is kind of embarrassing. Bill, do you want to tell him? I don't want to tell him. Do you want to tell him? I don't want to tell him. This is really, this is sad. And I got to the point where I said, I was the one steering the ship. See, there's no place for us trying to build our kingdom. No place. And God wasn't going to allow me. As much as I tried to steer a little bit this way, God wasn't going to allow me. And so I remember at that very point in my life, I remember, I call, I remember the surrender. I remember the surrender. I just said, okay, God, I'm, I'm sorry. 
whatever you have. I remember just being so busy and so caught up and God was still using it and God was still doing amazing things. Nothing crazy was happening, but I remember my, my distraction and my mindset and my modus, things were starting to get off. And God said, okay, I got more. I've got more. Just give me your whole heart. So I remember at that point, the inception of this ministry started being birthed in my heart. The seed started being planted. And I started reading in, in Mark 16, you know, where it says, 1615, where it says, go into all the nations and preach the gospel to all creation. I remember it just hit me so heavy, like I've never, never felt before. I, I've always been a minister, but I really said, okay, God, if you want me to go, I'll go. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I want to go preach the gospel. I don't care what the cost. I don't care at all. So we got our first call, and you guys know the Markies. Anybody know the Markies in here? The Markies are an extraordinary group of people that God has used radically over in Europe that have literally transformed that whole area in, in, in an amazing way. They're a pastor of ours growing up. My dad, um, who is here tonight, so thankful my dad's here. Um, it was my dad's pastor, and they poured into my dad and poured into our lives so much, and then went over and started these churches. So I remember just getting the first call saying, hey, do you want to come to Ukraine and do an outreach? I remember saying, yeah, I'd love to, you know, give me some details. And everything started working out. Well, then we got a phone call from the other Markies in Kyrgyzstan saying, hey, would you like to, in the same trip, do another outreach here in Kyrgyzstan? And I remember just going, okay, yeah, I mean, if this works out. And it just seemed like nothing was working out at all. It seemed like it was almost a red flag. And I was like, you know what? It's not the right timing to do two outreaches in one trip, Ukraine going all the way to Kyrgyzstan. I don't know if we should do it. So I told Jed, I said, Jed, I just don't know if this is something that, that we can do. It just seems like it's too much. So I remember Jed just saying the email that really hit me, you guys, that I remember to this day says, if you don't feel like the Lord wants you to do this, that's the key right there. If you feel like the Lord doesn't want you to do this, then okay. But I want to let you know that in this predominantly Muslim country, this is probably the last year this will ever happen. People are starting to be fearful. They're starting to go underground. So this is probably going to be the last time this will be an opportunity to do an outreach here in the city. And I remember sitting there going, how can I say, God, I'm ready to go wherever. No matter what the cost, I'm going to serve you. How could I do that and not be willing to go to this country? So we agreed. God gave us so much confirmation through his word, through so many people, so, so much prayer. We knew that God was calling us to go. So I remember the, the trip started. We had this amazing prayer t- time, and the trip started. We went to Ukraine, and it was unbelievable, you guys. I'm telling you, we saw just amazing things happen. I remember it just it happened so fluidly, so naturally. God moved in, in such a radical way, and we were all high-fiving. We were done. We were like the Go Jesus dance. We're like, yes, this is awesome. We were on fire. We were off to conquer the world. And I remember we got to Kyrgyzstan, and it was different. I'm telling you, it was different. Something was different. My father went with me. He can attest to that, and everyone involved can attest that something was different. As he walked off that plane, I felt an oppression I've never felt before. And I remember my first call of duty here was to do a press conference for all the, the media in the area. And I remember just sitting there, and this lady kept going, but why are you here? Why are you really here? You see, we had to be very careful because this is a predominantly Muslim country, and the, we had to have all this approval from the KGB and all these different people saying, okay, why is a Christian artist coming over here to do this concert? And I had to be very, very careful about what I said. So I had to pray for wisdom for what God would give me to say to these people. So I knew at that moment the enemy was on the prowl. I knew he did not want us there. At that very moment, I was like, okay, something is not right. So I remembered the, the first um, workshop that we did 
it was a worship leader workshop. And at the end of the workshop, everybody kept coming up. And the predominant theme was, we're fearful. We're fearful. And so I remember just praying for all these different people and just praying, you know, for, for fear to leave. And I started to feel, and I remember that night I was trying to share and my mind was just distracted. I couldn't think straight. And I remember just going, this is the enemy. This is oppression. This is spiritual warfare. And so after that, we did this youth event. And as we were walking up to the, to do the event on the stage, I remember the pastor over, I hear my pastor friend say, well, we'll have to deal with that later. And I said, excuse me, deal with what later? And he said, no, 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 don't worry about it. And I was like, no, no, I want to worry about it. What's, what's happening, you know? And uh, he goes, he's like, well, they've been hearing your interviews, and they hear that you're a lot more bold than what they thought about your faith. And so they said that they didn't even know the concert was going to take place, and that if it does take place, if you say the wrong thing, then they'll put Pasha, our pastor friend, in prison for a year. What? I remember just going, what? how did this even happen? I'm like, well, so what do we do? He says, we'll worry about it when we get to it. You do the event, this youth event. The, the big event was on Saturday. This was Thursday. So I remember I got on stage and I felt that fear. I felt gripped by fear and I started playing and I felt like I was playing through a wall. I was trying to sing and I'm talking about God's goodness. All of a sudden I started singing a song called Our God is Greater. Our God is Stronger. Who can stand against us? God is for us. Who can stand against us? And I'm telling you, it broke in that room. People started coming forward, getting on their faces before the Lord. The Holy Spirit fell. And I remember I was so wore out because I kept battling. I was like, I'm not going to stop. Enemy's not going to stop me. I got on my knees and we're crying out. And here I am so weak. And I remember just going, okay, Lord, okay. So I went out to eat afterwards and my, my bodyguard, had a, have a bodyguard there. He was following me around. And I looked at my friend Jed and I go, Jed, should I watch my back? And he goes, yes. And I went, okay, here's my face all over billboards, all over Kyrgyzstan, Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> Everyone knows why I'm here. Should I watch my back? He says, yes. So reality hit me, and I went home. And I remember I called my wife, and I'm like, hey, honey, I love you. And she's like, how you doing? And I just started weeping for five minutes. I just I couldn't stop weeping. And I remember her saying to me, you're called for such a time as this. You go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're supposed to be here. And I was like, you're supposed to want me home right now. <laughs> no, honey, please don't. <laughs> That's what I wanted her to say. That's not what I needed her to say. You know what I mean? So I remember I, I, I got in the shower, and I remember everyone saying, you're here for a reason, we feel like revival is going to take place in this, this city. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing at all. And then I'm just freaking out because I'm saying, I don't know what's going on. What, what, who am I? And I remember I got on my knees and I'm, I'm weeping and I'm saying, God, I can't do this. This is too much pressure. And he goes, perfect. Now you can do it. Now you can do it. Finally realizing Paul. Because I always said, how could Paul, here's a guy that was persecuted for his faith constantly. He was in and out of prison. He was stoned almost to death or to death. We don't know. He went back in the same city and he preached the gospel again. How could Paul be so resilient? And when I got down on my hands and knees and I cried out to the Lord and I said, I can't do it. I realized that scripture, but none of these things move me. And I kind of passed over the second part of that. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. And men, 
That's where it hit me. When Paul gave his life to Jesus, he said, my life is not my own anymore. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. I'm called to lay my life down as a living sacrifice, to lay it down. And I remember I got to that point where I'm like, okay, okay. The day of the event came, and I remember we looked over to the stage, and one of the stage managers that that we had to hire to put up the sound system on the stage was off praying to Allah over there. And I remember going, okay, this is real. And... And this is the truth, but this, this truck pulls up to the side of the stage. <laughs> I'm like, whose truck is that? Like, I don't know. Whose truck is that? I don't know. But can somebody please check, check the truck? And so I remember them checking the truck, and everybody's checking for bombs on the stage. And, and, you know, we had threats that night. Somebody had to be removed from the, the facility. We were, we were in the stadium. Didn't think that anyone was going to show up. They, they finally allowed us to do the event. And they said, I could share, of course, just against the law to proselytize, to say, hey, do you want to give your life to Jesus to convert them? So I had to be very cautious still what I said. But I remember it was allowed to happen. And so the day of the event, all these things were going on. My bodyguard comes up to me, and I remember he looks the fear in his face. And he, I go, you okay? And he puts his hand in his shirt like this, and he goes, his heart was beating very fast. And I was like, if my bodyguard's heart is beating very fast, should I be very, very scared at this point? And I remember just going, so what's happening? And, and he goes, oh, they had to escort someone out because they uh, threatened to, to, to kill, basically, one of the people on stage. I was like, oh, man. So I remember we're sitting there, and we're praying, and I felt, I felt the God's just power, I'm telling you, like I've never had before. And, and my guitar player comes out, and he starts playing his song. Oh, my God, you will not delay my refuge, my strength always. I will not fear if my God is near. And I started singing that over and over again. And I remember, I said, okay, Lord, my life's not my own. I came to the point where I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I'm in God's will. So I know that even if something does happen, he's allowed it to happen. I was okay with that. I came to that point in my life for the first time ever. Am I really okay? Am I really going to count the cost for serving Jesus? That's what I came to. Am I really going to count the cost? Say, God, I'll go wherever. I'll do whatever. Will you really? I was at that moment. We started walking to the stage, and there's a picture of me and, and, and my bodyguard with me. And he's like this, really intense looking. And I literally am with a big smile on my face right before we go on. And I remember I just felt God's pleasure. I felt his power. I started walking on stage, and my bass player comes up to me, and he looks at me, and he's like, just in case, it's been an honor. And I was like, don't tell me that before we go on. So I remember, <laughs> oh, I'm telling you guys, this was chaos. <laughs> so we walked on stage. And the moment that we started proclaiming the name of Jesus, I remember we had 8,000 people still show up, okay? We had picketers all around. The news station, the main news station in the area was saying, don't come to this event. It's provocative in nature, and it's going to agitate the people. 8,000 people still showed up. When I first started singing and I started proclaiming the name of Jesus, about 2,000 people left. (laughs) Because Jesus is a rock of offense to those who are stumbling. But I remember it was supposed to rain that day, and all around us was a black cloud, all around us. And above us, it was clear as day, clear blue skies. Dad, you remember that? Unbelievable. 
And I remember as we got on stage and, and started sharing, I remember I, I, would, I would go up to share because I was literally in that shower that night going, God, please let every word be of you because I know that my actions or what I may say could cause someone to be in prison for a year. So please, I want every word to be of you. And let me tell you something, even for all of us and for me included, the words that we say, if we really, really took that to heart, that our words affect people that greatly, can you imagine how we would walk, walk on stage trembling in fear? It's good. But not that we don't have God's power. But I remember going, every single word, Lord, please let it be from you. And I remember I'd step into the mic and I'd share. I would hear nothing else from the Lord. And I would back up and I'd keep playing again. And I'd walk up. And that happened all night. I remember it felt very discombobulated. Even though I felt God's hand, I just was like, was that? Was that? And my dad goes, that was the most anointed I've ever seen you. Because every word was from the Lord. Because <laughs> I was scared to death. And I just remember that that night, you know, when we got done, we had a lot of people come and, and ask for, uh, you know, for prayer. And, and it couldn't have the conversion time. But if you want to talk to somebody about Jesus, come and talk to see these people. And I remember as we left that area, we still had that, that angst a little bit because we knew that it was done. I presented the gospel in this Muslim country. We're kind of marked at this point. And I remember we went straight to, to our hotel. We grabbed our bags and we went straight to the airport. Literally, we left right away. And uh, it's pretty sad when you get to Ukraine and you're like, yes, I feel so good now. I'm out of that country. <laughs> I'm like, ah, take a deep breath. We called my, my, my wife and, and my, my mom and we called everybody. And we're like, we're in Ukraine now. We're good, you know. Um, and so when we went home, really what, what was birthed in me is I really said, okay, God, I'm serious about this. I know that you've laid something deeper in my heart to go into the nations and preach the gospel. I'm ready. And so with a lot of prayer, a lot of just kind of, we call it kicking up the dust a little bit, saying, all right, Lord, you form this. We're trying to figure it out. You form this. Really, we, we came together, and, and God provided a, a, an amazing man, um, Danny Williamson, that has been such a faithful friend. Love you, buddy. That has been a part of this. He was just, the story real quick is he was in Argentina. And I was like, hey, buddy. And they had a day before I asked him this. Felt like the Lord said you can move now. I said, hey, how long are you to be in Argentina? He goes, well, we just got the, the lift from the Lord to move. And I said, I need someone to help me with this ministry. And uh, so that is, entails what happened with, with Danny being on board. And so with this, I want to share a little bit. We, we call this Speaking Louder Ministries. And, you know, it's actions speak louder than words. You know that whole saying, actions speak louder than words. But what I realized is that if you can have actions with words, how much more powerful is that? Because we have a heart. Because I think the thing is we have a social justice mentality, this new generation, which is great. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But we're not speaking truth a lot. A lot of people are doing these social justice things, but they don't want to say anything. It's almost like, hey, I want to give you all that you need physically. And I know you're kind of on the edge of a cliff right now, about ready to fall off. But I don't really want to offend you. That's not true love. True love is when you see something like that and you're saying, hey, you're about ready to fall off the cliff. You're about ready to embark on something that you don't want to embark on. That's true love. Telling the truth, but doing it in love. And so we started with that, speaking out of ministries. God, what do, you, what do you want from us? And God gave us a vision statement. Declaring the hope of Jesus throughout the world through music, testimony, and service. Listen, I've been doing this for years, and I'm so thankful. I can't even tell y'all how thankful I am. It's been the most humbling experience. I've had my, my ups and downs. I've had my distractions. You know, it, you guys, even a couple of days ago, I remember 
I woke up, and I, I wasn't going to share this, but I'll share this. I told Danny and uh, my wife, I felt so down. I don't know why. Things have been going great. But two days ago on Friday, I, I, I woke up, and I just felt down. I felt despondent. I know you guys probably sometimes know what I'm talking about. And I remember that feeling. And as I started writing down what God's been doing, I started writing this down, what God's done in my life, stones of remembrance, the, the Ebenezer stones, things that, uh, that he's done in my life. When I started writing down even, you know, the, the story of Kyrgyzstan, the story of Ukraine, my life and God's faithfulness in my life. I had to tell you, I woke up this morning and I was fired up. Like my God is faithful and he is good. I'm going to proclaim his goodness. And I'm going to tell you that when you write down the things that God has done in your life, Watch that. Watch what God does in that. Those stones remember us in your heart, how it encourages you. And it did. I woke up this morning. I was so fired up to do this and to be here with you men who I respect dearly. Your hands are to the plow for many, many years. And when we go over to these different countries, you know, music is a huge part of what we do. You know, music, it translates through everything. We've been to different countries where they don't understand what I'm saying, but music will draw in people. Everyone loves music, right? I mean, everyone loves music. So when you play music or you have a concert, people are like, yeah, I'll come. Especially when there's an American artist, they're like, sure, I'll check it out. So it draws in people. But also we want to have testimony where, you know, I want to share my testimony, what God's done in my life, how I've been through the struggles, how God's been so faithful. And we all have testimonies. We're overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Each and every one of you guys have a testimony to share. So we want people to rise up in their testimonies as well in service. So what is service, you ask? Well, there's three things that we really, really have a heart to do. Because it's not just about music for me. You know, when I, when I first started playing music, I remember that, that saying that I said, a minister of the gospel who happens to play music. That has been my mindset the whole time. And I remember... Just this, this whole thing. Okay, Lord, how do you want us to transition into this? And evangelism is, is a huge part of it. You know, I have an urgency. Look at what's happening right now. We live in a very defining time in our generation that it, you see it everywhere. And I'm telling you, I'm more urgent. I'm more, I guess, sure and clear cut about what God's called me to do than ever before. I mean, I'm telling you more than ever before, I feel that in my heart and I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for whatever God has. And so evangelism, there's lost and dying generation that needs to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. We all know that, but I think more and more so I'm just being stirred. I'm like, God, if you give me a platform, I want to use my platform to the fullest. I want to go and I want to share of what you've done in my life. So we have evangelism. We have discipleship. Now, just so you guys know, when we go to these different countries, or if we even do domestic outreaches, we understand that we're not going to go over there and change the whole thing. All right, guys, here we go. We're going to bring something special that you don't have. That's not what it is. We understand that you guys have all been hands to the plow. When we go to these different countries, it's hands to the plow. Everyone's been working very hard. We want to be kind of like a, a strengthening of the net. Can we strengthen your net? You know, can we come over there and encourage you? We have teams that, that have gone out. Danny went over to India recently, and he went over, and three times he went to make sure that we were set up to have discipleship and follow-up. The thing is, is that music is music, and it's great. And you can share the gospel, but that's what a lot of people just do, and then they leave. We want to say, how can we grab those people? How can we disciple those people that have come forward? And Danny did such a great job of getting the team of people in the local churches lined up to be able to do that. Because it, it was incredible to go uh, recently to India um, to be a part of just what God is doing over there. And we got to work with all these different churches that were just saying, we just want help. 
We want to bring, we want an event that was like kind of a fire. Because we know that we're not going to be the ones that are going to change the whole face of, of the nation in this one trip. It's not what it's going to be. It's not our heart. We want to be a strengthening net to them. And then we do services as well. We went over to India recently. We were able to build six homes, two wells, and a few 5,000 families that were affected um, by the floods in Chennai. And that was an incredible thing because we've seen the effectiveness of this evangelism, discipleship, and service. If you can do it all together, I'm telling you how powerful that is to really, really be a part of the community. Because it's, it's one thing to go and do a concert. I've done that many, many years. 1,500 concerts I've done. But to go in and actually be a part of the community and to love on people, to do workshops, to encourage leaders, to encourage worship leaders and pastors to do these service projects, it's a different thing. It's really being a part of the community and getting our hands dirty, and that's what we want to do. And so, so what we've done, we've done Kyrgyzstan, Ukraine. We really, really had a solidification of our vision recently with Danny coming on. And our first real outreach that happened that took place under what the true vision was was in January to India. And I can tell you guys, it was an incredible thing that we saw the Lord do. When we went over there, we had 14,000 people um, come to this event. And let me explain this. When I went, when I went to uh, go to do these interviews, I remember they said, hey, there's a, um, a local radio station that's an English-speaking radio station that actually has a million listeners. And they want you to, to, to share and to talk about the concert coming up. And so I remember getting there, and this lady, she wasn't a Christian, they're Hindus, and there's, I think it's 10 million people in Chennai and a million people listen to this radio station. She starts asking me questions and literally she tried to throw me these kind of curveballs, and God just gave me all these different answers. And I ended up sharing the gospel so in depth on that radio station. I can't even describe to you. I kept, it was almost like apologetically as well. God allowed me to speak these things that I know were from him. And it was really for a million people to hear that radio station, to hear the gospel was an incredible thing. And I remember that night when she, when the concert happened, when 14,000 people showed up, her and her fiance showed up and they came forward to accept Jesus Christ. It was just unreal. And, you know, we did, uh, we did some discipleship training for people. Um, that was incredible. We went to a leper colony and we prayed for a lady whose leg was in major pain that she couldn't walk anymore. And I remember, um, you know, we were laying hands on her praying for her and she, through the interpreter, was saying, it's gone. That the pain, I felt a warmth in my leg. It shot out my foot. I don't have the pain anymore. And so we're seeing God move. God wants to do these things. But we have to be willing to step out and allow him to do it. We have to be a vessel that's pure, that's taking all the chaff out and saying, okay, God, here I am. I'm surrendered. I remember the surrender. I'm surrendered to you. I want to go out no matter what and be used to the fullest. And so, you know, I think the greatest thing for me, guys, is when I had a lady come up to one of the, the fellowship, uh, follow-up per- people and say, I never heard the name of Jesus um, until tonight. You know what I mean? And I think it's real. We have to understand that more people don't know about Jesus than we think. And to be able to go proclaim the name of Jesus in this generation and do it with boldness, do it with truth, do it with the authority of God's word, because it's so important to have the truth of God's word, to let it be solidified, um, is such a it's a partnership. And that's why I think for me, we need your help. You know, I can, there's so many different nations that we can go to. There's the BRIC nation, Brazil, Russia, India, and China that are major nations that they say are very influential in this world. That if something happens to those nations, then the whole economy, if it crashes, can crash. And so we want to go on these, these nations. We're willing to go wherever, but we want to focus on these different nations that are um, BRIC nations. Russia, Danny just went to Russia recently, and we're going to go to St. Petersburg, and we're praying about doing five other cities in Russia. 
And God's just opening doors, but we need your help. I'm just going to be very frank. We need your help. And, you know, how can you help? Really, we need prayer. We need teams of, of churches that have prayer teams that we can send updates so you guys can pray for us. We need that. We need finances. I mean, we need help to do these events. They're, they're not cheap at all. But it's worth it. These projects we're doing, the events we're doing, it's worth it. But we need your help. We can't do this together. And I figured what better place to, to ask and to, and to hang out with my brothers and with the, the pool of family that, that I grew up in in Calvary Chapel. You know what I mean? And so honored to be able to do this. But thank you. I, I, I think for me, I want to kind of end with this. One thing God's taught me, passion without power is pointless. And, you know, I can get on stage every single night and I could sing passionately and jump up and down and, and do all these different things. And if there's not the power of the Holy Spirit, it's pointless. You can preach the greatest sermon. You can be articulate, as articulate as you want. But if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter. You can be as passionate. Put out this sermon that people are like, yes, cheering. But where's the effect? It's pointless. And the last thing I want is that in my life. And so I want to walk in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we need you guys in this generation. We need to stand in truth, but in love. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to move at the, the confines of, of the Scripture, but not be afraid to let the Holy Spirit move. Because I think if we're trying to stifle what the Holy Spirit wants to do, we're not going to see a great revival in this nation. Because I believe that God wants to do another great revival in this nation. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And you guys are going to be a part of it. And I'm so thankful for that. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Jeremy Camp. If you enjoy the message, you can learn more about Jeremy's ministry by visiting jeremycamp.com.